So when I was in the corporate world, um, I had a marketing firm, and, and I, I handled uh, the creative side of it. And we had signed this new uh, customer down in Cherry Creek, and we needed to spend the better part of the day with them, just kind of establishing um, just some pillars uh, of their brand identity. So it was going to take all morning and most of the afternoon. Uh, we were going to meet in their office at Cherry Creek, and they said, well, since we're going to be here, um, we'll bring in lunch. And so we replied, said, that's wonderful. Thank you. And they said, you know, there's a great sandwich shop here in Cherry Creek. We'll bring in sandwiches. Do you guys have any preferences? And we're like, we love sandwiches. Who doesn't love sandwiches? Only communists don't love sandwiches. So what, what, what do you recommend? And one of the partners said, oh, there's this incredible sandwich. It's called the Perfect Pair I'm definitely going to order some of those. And uh, we said, well, you know this place. You know what's great. So you order whatever you want. So so we hang up, and, and my business partner and I, we start talking. We're like, the perfect pair. Like, what could that be? We're like, uh, roast beef and turkey. That's a pretty fantastic combo. Um, we started joking about, what if he just orders a bunch of PB&Js? Because peanut butter and jelly, I mean, that really is the perfect pair. And we just started, you know, wondering, is it ham and cheese? What is it? You know, what is it? So next morning we get up, we drive to Cherry Creek, we have the meeting. It was hard for me to stay focused on doing their branding because I was so excited for these sandwiches and this perfect pair that he raved about. Lunchtime comes, the delivery guy for the sandwich shop shows up, and he breaks out the sandwiches. And I grab one of the sandwiches, take a bite. The perfect pair was pear and brie. P-E-A-R, the fruit. Pear and brie, B-R-E, the French cheese, or whatever it is. That was the perfect pear. And I lied that day, because it was a new client. And when they asked me, if I liked it, I said I did, and I did not. <laughs> Needless to say, that relationship did not last long. The perfect pair of my butt. In Ephesians 4, we're going to look at a much more perfect pair that's mentioned. And, and the pair that's mentioned uh, is oneness... And gifts. Oneness and gifts. So I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Um, we have the scripture behind me. So Ephesians 4, 1 through 8. Paul says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit. Binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. 
However, He has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the Scriptures say, when He ascended to the heights, He led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to, and gave gifts to His people. It's absolutely vital that we see that God's plan for His church is centered around a life that is committed to unity and oneness in Christ Jesus. One body, one spirit, one glorious hope for the future. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one. The definition from, from Miriam's or Webster's, the definition of oneness is this. The state or fact of being unified or whole, though comprised of two or more parts. Even though we are two or more parts, we are many parts. We are the body of Christ com- comprised of many different parts. To be whole, we have to be one. And that's not one in, in and of ourselves. It's one in Jesus Christ. So let me switch gears a bit and we'll, we'll circle back. What is, what is the role of the prophet? Some, some might say the role of the prophet, uh, let's just go for the most obvious, it's to prophesy. It's the role of the prophet is to declare the things of the Lord. The role of the prophet is to edify and to encourage. The role of the prophet is to, is to declare what the Lord is doing on the earth. And what is the role? What is the purpose of the evangelist? Maybe we'd say it, it, it's just flat out to bring in the lost, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to the lost and to bring in the harvest, to, to trumpet the name of Jesus so that people would hear and know about the hope of the gospel and be saved. Would you believe me if I told you that the role, that the purpose of the prophet and the evangelist were the same? Would you believe me if I told you that that the the obligation and the responsibility of the prophet and the evangelist is also the same as the pastor or the apostle or the teacher. That they have the same role but acted out in different ways. This is what Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. We read Ephesians, we read up through uh, verse 8. This is We're going to jump down to verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. So these aren't the gifts of the Spirit. Okay, These aren't the gifts of the Holy Spirit. These are gifts of Jesus. These are the gifts of Jesus that He gave the church. And He lists them. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is what? To equip God's... Yeah, the words are totally right there. When it was so silent, I figured we just didn't have the Scripture up. But it's clearly right there. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, 
the body of Christ. What's the role of the apostle? To equip the saints for the work of the gospel. What's the role of the prophets? To equip the saints. What's the responsibility of the pastor? To equip the teacher. To equip the evangelist. To equip. But it's done in different ways. See, Karen and I have this thing that, that we we say often to one another. It's a really fantastic reminder. Because, see, I'm, I'm a man and I'm a, I'm a dad. I'm a father. And I parent differently than Kara, who is a woman and is a mother. And so I parent differently than Kara. As a father, we have the same goals. We have the same purpose with our kids. And that is to equip them and grow them in integrity and character, to point them to Jesus. Our purpose is to mature them and to grow them so that they become strong, healthy, mature adults. And as believers, we, we, as healthy adults who love Jesus. I just do it differently. Not better, different. So Karen and I, that's what we'll say. Different, not better. Like, sometimes Kara will do something, and I'm like, ooh, baby, I would have done that different. And she goes, different, not better. No, that's right, baby. Different, not better. Different, not better. That's, yeah. Or sometimes the, the shoe is flipped. She's like, ooh, honey, I would have done that different. Well, of course you would have. You're a mother, and I'm a father. Different, not better. And she's like, oh, yeah, different, not better. Maybe a mini eye roll, you know. My role, my role as pastor is not to do the work of ministry. My role is to equip you for the work of ministry. See, a lot of times we think the pastor should have uh, a healing ministry and the pastor should have um, a strong gift of the prophetic and a pastor should have, and we start listing all these things. And we look at this scripture, what we see is that the church should have a healing ministry and the church should have a strong prophetic gifting and the church should do the work of the ministry. And I'm here to equip. Andy's here to equip. Kim and Kara, we're here to equip the saints, and you are called saints, I thought about getting little pipe cleaner halos and making them and handing them out. I didn't. Might have been cute. Might have been cheesy. I don't know. I, I didn't take the risk. But you're saints. You're saints. And you're called to do the work of ministry and to strengthen the body of Christ. To strengthen and encourage the body. If someone prophesies that doesn't mean they are the gift of a prophet that means they're a part of the body of Christ but if someone prophesies and equips others to prophesy then we see in scripture that those add up and that that's, that's the Jesus gift of a prophet an apostle uh, 
Tyron Daniel. Tyron Daniel is, uh, he is an apostle. And when he comes into this place or he, and, and he meets, he has a, an apostolic voice and that voice always points us to Jesus and strengthens and makes us aware of the bigness of the kingdom of God. The gift of the evangelist. Tell me this. I mean, Billy Graham passed away you know, this week and we honor him and we were thankful for him and, that, and what a difference that guy made in the lives of countless. Would it be better to bring in the most phenomenal and anointed evangelist in the world into this place, pack this place out, and let's say a hundred people got saved. That's phenomenal. That, that's, that's more than we might see in our services in the course of a year. Would it be better to bring in an evangelist and a hundred people get saved, or would it be better to be bring in an evangelist and a hundred people get equipped to do the work of an evangelist? Then how many people are getting saved? Are you following me? It's time we stop thinking that, that there's certain gifts that are supposed to do the work of the ministry and we've got to own that we, the body of Christ, are called to do the work of ministry. So I want to read verses 11 through 16. These are the gifts God gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors. Just if I can pause real quick. It does say that, that I am a gift that Jesus has given to you. And there is no regifting, and there are no exchanges. You can't ask for a different size or color or style. Jesus gave this gift to you. And teachers, their responsibility, these five functions, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. We started reading at the beginning of Ephesians 4, we started reading about this standard that Paul was urging us to live our lives worthy of. Then Paul started talking about oneness, one God, one hope, one. And now it comes full circle. The role of these gifts, there's oneness, there's unity, there's one purpose to equip the saints for the work of the ministry just done differently. And what's the result of that? Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of His body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, I love that it that we're all called special. It says he has special gifts for us earlier in this chapter. It says I'm special and now it says as each part does its own special work. The work we're all called to is special. It helps the other parts grow. 
so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You guys, we never outgrow. We, we never get to the point where that we need to stop growing. The need to be teachable. It will always be a part of our life. We will always need to grow. We will always need to be teachable. When I read this description of maturity, friends, I'm not there. We're not there. You're not there. And there's no shame in that. We need constant equipping. One role to equip the people of God and do to do the works of service and ministry to encourage the church. That theme of oneness. The, the title of today's message is One. We are called to be one. One hope, one vision, one God. One purpose. One body. Not a, not a bunch of separated limbs scattered one knowing that that's God's plan for oneness friends we should always be on our toes for division we should always be on our toes for for the enemy to come and try and sever and divide I shouldn't be getting a phone call saying, Mark, Pastor, I need you to come over quick. Why? What, what's what's going on? I, I need you to, to to share Jesus with my friend at work. My close, close friend. My best friend. I need you to come to my work and share Jesus with them. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I, I need you to come. I need you to come uh, pray for them. So you're asking me to come pray for your friend at work that God put you right next to the cubicle to and you you want me to come pray for them. But you're the body called to do the work of the ministry. And I've equipped you for this. And, And I will still continue to equip you for this. You can do it. My job... In, in, in that scenario, that phone call is to say, you can do it. You can do it. You are equipped. You are ready. Stand in the name of Jesus. Take authority over the enemy. Speak, speak the truth in love. You can do it. God's going to use you. He called you to do this. You guys, for, the, for, the, for these gifts to be utilized, they have to be received. For these, for these gifts to be fully utilized and seen and experienced, they have to be received. See, a gift has two actions to it. It has to be given and it has to be received. And we see here that Jesus gave these gifts. So friends, it is our responsibility to receive these gifts. The gift of prophecy, a prophetic word, is a gift of the Spirit to an individual. Okay, that's what a prophetic word, when when you receive a prophetic word, the Lord speaks to us personally and individually, but the gift of the prophet is a gift of Jesus for the church. So let me give you this example. 
let's say you receive a word from the Lord. You, you receive a prophetic word from the Lord. And that prophetic word from the Lord is like this incredible feast. It is bountiful and it fills you and it's wonderful and it uplifts you and it's encouraging and you leave so fulfilled and you were just in communion with God and you sat at his table and you feasted on that word, that word that he had for you. He had a prophetic word from you, a gift of the spirit, prophetic word for you. It's that feast. The gift of the prophet given by Jesus in this example is the Walmart distribute, the global universal headquarters of Walmart distribution center that makes it so that millions of those kind of feasts can be provided and given throughout the world. So that others are equipped to to bring a similar feast to others. The gifts that Jesus gave were given to equip. So, so what is our responsibility? Be faithful. Be available. Be equipped. When we come into this place, we should expect to be equipped. I, I honestly believe every single one of us, when we walk through those doors on Sunday, we should have serious expectation. I think we should expect to be touched by God and to be used by God to touch others. I think when we walk into this place, that's what we should expect. I'm going to be touched by my God. Pretty good chance He uses me to touch someone else. And we should also walk into this place with the expectation of being equipped for a purpose. Equipped for the work of ministry. For the work of service. God wants us equipped because God wants us in the game. He doesn't want us in the sideline and He doesn't want a select few doing this work. He wants us doing this work, you guys. He wants, Nathan, He wants you doing this work. He wants you getting equipped to do the work of ministry. Debbie, you. He wants to use you to do His works of ministry so that the body might be whole and strengthened and encouraged. 2 Timothy 2.2 2 says this, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Entrust this to faithful men and women who will be able to teach others. You notice that that order wasn't flipped. That he doesn't say, teach this to capable men. To able men who will then be able to be faithful. Right? He doesn't flip it. He says, teach it to faithful men and women who, after God is done with them, they're going to be able to teach. That's us, you guys. 
just be, we gotta be faithful. And God makes us able to teach. God makes us able. How? Equipping. Constantly equipped through the gifts that Jesus gives, through the gifts the Holy Spirit gives. God isn't looking for people with ability. He's looking for people with availability. The best ability? Availability. Being available. Here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Lord, use me. Faithful people. Faithful people. Let's talk about that for a second. Notice I didn't say perfect people. I said faithful people. But see, our mind, a lot of times, we translate faithful into perfect. And that's not what, what, what Jesus is saying. He's not saying perfect people. Faithful people. And I think the reason that, that we make that translation is because we're like, hey, if I'm faithful to my spouse, that means I, I never cheat on them. And yes, but also, faithful is just being being consistent. I faithfully try to encourage my wife, but there's times I don't encourage her. I faithfully try and uplift my kids, but there's times I provoke them to wrath, which Jesus tells me not to do. That doesn't mean I'm unfaithful. The lie straight from hell is for the enemy to say you aren't a saint you aren't righteous and you aren't ready you aren't a saint he's not talking about you he's talking about Janet Benassi who's clearly a saint but he ain't talking about he ain't talking about you Peter you're not ready just sit and bide your time. You're not ready. You're not ready yet. There's works to be done, you know, but not yet. You're not ready. You're not worthy. You're, you're, you're not righteous. What does God say to us in Proverbs 24, 16? For the righteous falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in times of calamity. A faithful person isn't one who never falls, friends. A faithful person is one who falls and gets back up. And falls and gets back up. And falls and gets back up. That's three. And falls and gets back up. 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 And God says they're righteous. But Lord, I've fallen. Okay, get get back up. Because God says in this, His words to describe that person is righteous. The righteous, although they fall seven times, they get up. The faithful person is the person who keeps getting back up after they fall and who make themselves available to be used by God. Satan wants us out of the game, friends. He wants us out of the game. He wants us out of the work. He wants us ill-equipped. He wants us disqualifying ourselves. And he wants to throw sin and failure in our faces to keep us from 
serving the Lord. Perfectionism is a lie. It is a lie. We're not called to be perfect. We're called to be faithful, and faithful does not mean perfect. So you might say, hey, I'm, I'm being equipped. How do I make myself available to minister? You guys, the best way to be available is to serve. The best way to be available for ministry is to start serving. It is to, to get kinetic energy moving in your life. Is to stop sitting still. Is to take the car out of park and to serve. And in the midst of serving, which by the way, when it talks about that he's equipping us for the works of ministry, that word is servant ministry. It's, it's diakono. It's service. You guys, we can't look like Jesus without serving. We can't act like Jesus without serving. You want to minister? Serve. You guys, there's people that have, that have, this church is eight years old. There's people that have been in this church that wanted to preach and they didn't serve. I, I, I got a, I got a message I, you know, I want to share. Sorry. So, sorry. I, we need people up here who look like Jesus. And if you don't serve, you can't preach. If you can't, last week is a fantastic example. Karen and I were getting away, relaxing, had a weekend away. Andy got sick. And I just sent a text and said, Anthony, you're plan B, dude. The message that God gave you to the youth group, if Andy is sick, you're preaching. I didn't ask him because he's equipped and he's been serving for over seven years in this house. And I know he looks like Jesus. And I know he acts like Jesus. And I know he was going to point everyone to Jesus. So I didn't ask him. I said, if Andy can't preach, you're preaching. And then Christine brought a message to the youth group and I said, and if if Anthony gets sick, Christine, you're preaching. And and it was just on our heart. I talked with Andy. It was on our heart. Someone from this house needs to bring the word this week. And so I told him, I said, if they can't do it, you find someone in this house to bring the word. Someone who has served. Someone who who is faithful. Someone who's going to point us to Jesus. Matthew 20, 26 through 28 says this. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. And even as the Son of Man came, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You guys... If we want to do the works of ministry, then we have to be doing the works of service. It's amazing how God opens up opportunity for us when we're already in motion, when there's already action to us, when we're already serving. It's amazing how the opportunity to pray for someone uh, just arises when we're serving. when we're already just serving the Lord and we're already touching lives. We've already expressed availability. We've already said, I'm available, Lord, and, and I have this hunger. And there's big things you put in my heart, but Lord, I, I just, I'm going to do something. I just, I'm going to serve you and you show me what, what I'm supposed to do.
I don't I don't see Brian or Kara out there. So uh, it, this would be the point where I would like turn to my reliever and be like, hey, you know. So we're landing. Is is David hopping up or is David? Gra- <laughs> That's awesome. So church, how are the pastors of this church equipping you? How are we equipping you to do the work of ministry and to build up the church, as Jesus said? As as your elders, how how are we going to grow you? Number one, we, we demonstrate. We demonstrate, you guys. We, we, we let our lives be an example. We want our lives to be an example of service to our king. You know, I... I pointed out Pastor Al and Judy earlier, their lives modeled to me a life of service. I just followed their lead. But they modeled it for me. They made it clear. Make Jesus your all. He is your prize. He is your reward. He's worthy of it all. So so that's what we do, you guys. We don't just try to model it. We model it. Man, we're not just Jesus is our all. So we model a life of service. We model a life of ministry. But then we also challenge you and sharpen you. I've told you time and time again, I don't care if you're comfortable. We pretty much don't want you to be comfortable because then we're not doing our jobs. If we're not trying to pull you, get out of your seat and get you doing something and get get that butt in motion, then we're not doing our jobs. And so... Well, pastor, that makes me uncomfortable. Oh, thank you. You're so sweet for saying so. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. The Holy Spirit's job is to comfort you. My job is to sharpen you a bit. But also to equip you. Man, we don't, we don't preach some, some fable. We don't preach Ben Franklin. We don't even preach really good. We don't even preach Tim Keller. Tim Keller's fantastic. I love the writings of Tim Keller. We don't preach Tim Keller. We preach Jesus. Jesus. At the end of every message in this place, you should have heard the name of Jesus time and time and time again. We gather. How do we equip? We gather. We shepherd. Gosh, it's so so cool that you guys, Pastor Alan Judy, are here this week because you're such a great example. They gathered, they shepherded, they challenged, they sharpened, they corrected, they pastored. And the result is a life fully committed to the Lord. Friends, the result of, of any of this work of ministry, of equipping, should be a life fully committed to the Lord, walking it out daily and faithfully. And we provide a place of training and equipping and growing, whether it's classes or connect groups or equips. So let me tell you what the next four weeks are going to look like, and then the fifth week is Easter. And I want you to see the process of equipping that that goes into, you know, what how how we lead as pastors in this church. Next week, Andy is going to get up here and preach. And he's going to talk about growing in the love of God. There's going to be a theme of growth. Because that's what we see in Ephesians 4. Grow, mature. So he's going to preach on growing in the love of God the following week. 
I'm going to preach on being faithful in personal growth. That means when you're not in this place, are you committed to growing? Are you committed to to nurturing the relationship with Christ? The following week, we're going to talk about being faithful in building up the church. Because that's what Ephesians 4 talks like. That's part of your role. It's to build up the body of Christ. And then in week 4, the week before Easter, I'm going to preach on leading a crowd of captives and being faithful to share Christ. Faithful to share Christ. And then we have Easter. Easter's in five weeks. Easter's on April 1st. I hate that it's on April 1st. Just... But in five weeks we have Easter. We should be inviting people now, friends. We should be talking to people about Jesus now. We should be plowing and turning over soil right now. We should be praying for those people we're going to invite right now. We love doing what we do. The eldership team at this church, we love doing what we do. And doing what we do is hard. Because honestly, making you uncomfortable, you know, it, it sometimes it bites us in the butt because then you get mad at us and then you sometimes get offended and and we don't always do it with the most gentle. Kara, Kara might always do it with the most gentle of touch. Andy might. Now, Kim and I, we're a different breed. We're coming, we're coming with it. <laughs> Andy and Kara are super gentle. But we love doing what we do. And it's what we're called to do. And we're faithful to our king. Can we just set our hearts in, in, in that place of being available to the Lord?